as boys lines. As bold as lion. As bold as lions. As bold as lions. You're listening to the As Bold as Lions podcast. I'm happy and I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the spirit, and I know he watches me. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the As Bold as Lions podcast. My name is Derek. So good to have you join me today. Um, as I've referenced and as kind of promised, especially in the last episode that I did, um, was going to start a new series. And that's where we're at here with um, a, a series titled uh, Hymns That I Love, Hymns That I Love. And probably seems kind of self-explanatory to um, put that title out there. But the the podcast is uh, in a lot of ways in support of an album that I just released. It was um, released on June 28th and had been working on it off and on over the spring, uh, especially March, April, May, and getting some of these songs ready and recorded. And so what you just heard was a clip uh, leading in from from one of those songs, the song that we're going to be talking about today. And you'll hear that interspersed in uh, in the podcast that we do in this series, that you'll hear these, these clips from these songs. Somewhat similar in style and in what I did with the Songs of the Season podcast. I did that in uh, uh, 20... 21 on the podcast and on my blog and also in 2020 on the blog and decided I I just want to talk about all these songs at, at Christmas time. So there's like eight of them that uh, I think we did. And interestingly enough, those still get some listens and uh, some hits even throughout the year. So it makes me think that people are still thinking about Christmas music, even when it's it's not always December, at least a few people are. So um, similar to that, if you remember those and just transitioning here and in, in, into the, the kind of the focus of what we're, uh, we're doing, um, just had this question, what is, what is it about hymns? You know, why, why do we still sing these, these songs? Some of them several years old, uh, many 100 plus years old, um, maybe the end of the 18th century, 1800s. Um, yeah, I think that's maybe that's the 19th century. Anyway, the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, the um, a lot of a lot of hymns written during that time frame, and even in the uh, the Christmas songs that I've talked about, there, there's some songs there that are quite old that they take some lyrical content that that maybe is like 
early AD. I think um, one of those was O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or one of those songs is very old in, uh, in some of its uh, origins. So why, why do we still sing them? And I think the older that I get, the more I appreciate them. The older I get, the more I tend to want to discover them more and, and look for them, which I think it's a little bit harder maybe at times to find uh, hymns, at least in the format of, of music sharing that we have now. We've, we've really switched to consume music through streaming services and streaming platforms. So Spotify and Apple music and things like that, where an artist really doesn't release things so much anymore on, on a CD or some kind of hard copy format. It's, it's all digitized and it's all, you know, it's still downloadable if you want to do that, but even that's kind of rare, but, um, but it's out there to stream. So you can just kind of listen to it whenever you want. You can, you can save it if, if you like it or whatever, but where do hymns kind of fit into that whole um, discussion? Because some of these are, are some older songs. And I think a lot of these platforms also tend to push what is, what's the latest and what's the greatest, you know, uh, as an artist, I've heard that Spotify really rewards those people that just continually put out singles. Like every four to six weeks, you're putting out a new song and that kind of bumps you up in the algorithm of what they push out. And um, because it's almost like the social media meets music type of thing where you're discovering new things and you're sharing things and you're liking things and blah, blah, blah. And, and they know that to to get people to listen to stuff like we just we push it out we you can advertise it um and it it rewards you to just keep putting out new new stuff all the time and i i look at him and say well they probably don't sell or reach as well unless um you're a group like casting crowns or mercy me um you know Lauren Daigle, somebody like that, they decide to go back and, and do a hymn of some sort and, and, and get it onto the, onto the charts, um, which, which all of those artists have. I don't know if they've had charting songs for those, probably Casting Crowns has, but otherwise we don't, we don't see these a whole lot. Like we kind of have to go looking for them and finding them, but yet we, we all kind of know these songs, you know, if you, you say Amazing Grace, everybody knows, like, okay, yeah, I know that's a familiar song, you know. Um, we, we recognize them. And, you know, honestly, they're, they were around before many of us um, were alive, and they're most likely going to outlive most of us, you know, if Jesus tarries. Um, and... I think that so many that are memorable are memorable because they have sound doctrine. That's, that's my opinion. Like there's a lot of songs that uh, are, are hymns that are, that I'm sure we don't, we don't sing or don't know of. And maybe the theology or some of it was, wasn't real tight or, or solid, but a lot of the songs that I think we, we do keep singing have, stood that test of time because they have 
just good theology, good doctrine. They've held up under scrutiny and kind of no matter what denominational background upbringing you have, like there's a lot of just um, pervasiveness, I guess, if I can say that to, to a lot of these songs where it's, it's kept them popular and, and still widely sung and, and widely acknowledged. Um, as a person who has a background in worship leading, background in, in church music, I think about some of this, you know, from time to time and uh, the staying power of, of some of our songs and uh, the music that we're writing. Certainly the volume of music has increased, just what is being put out on a daily basis. Because if you're an independent person, my, myself included, I'm an example of this, you can you can get on your computer, you can get on your phone and make some kind of beats and add some, you know, drop in lyrics and whatever and have it uploaded to to distribute, you know, within a few minutes, if, if that's something you want to do. So we have this plethora of music, more songs than we probably ever had. But I ask, and I think about what are, what are the songs that we're still going to be singing in in five years, in 10 years, 50 years? It's tough to judge that, but Again, going back to a song like Amazing Grace, you consider that that, that song itself is, is like 250 years old. It's written um, around 1770, 1772, and that it's pretty amazing. No pun intended. So songs that will stand the test of time, that will be sung from one generation to the next and and keep bring, getting brought back into our services, that's that's a pretty remarkable thing, and uh, uh, I, I think about that sometimes. Like, what songs are we singing now that will still be sung in the future? So, as we progress through this series, hymns that I love, um, we're going to go through the songs in the order that they appeared on the EP. Uh, this hymns volume one. It's not necessarily. Uh, a reason behind how they they came about on on there. Some were recorded earlier than others, but just kind of the flow of the disc that um, seemed to to make sense the most to me. Putting them in that arrangement, um, I did start with "His Eyes on the Sparrow," and that's the first one we're talking about. Um, and then the last one we'll, we'll talk about in the podcast is "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus" and. I don't think that was the last song I recorded, but that was somewhere in the in the mix of all of them. His Eyes on the Sparrow um, was one of the first songs that I just, when I thought about this project, like that's, that's one that I want to do for sure. And that's part of my own taste and my own likes, but it's also a song that, that has some personal meaning and, and significance um, in the Bible verses that we derive this song from. And actually, you may remember a podcast, maybe you've listened to it. If you haven't, um, the title is His Eye is on the Sparrow in Matthew 6, 25 through 27. And that was from a series called My Favorite Verses. Talked about some Bible verses that um, that I really enjoy and, and uh, 
That was a series from late last year. I'd encourage you to go back and find that if you're interested. But some of my own personal connection to the the song and those verses are uh, talked about in that episode. Won't go into it a ton today, but just uh, just a plug to go back if if you haven't uh, heard that already. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Yeah, why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He, His eyes on the sparrow, and I know. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he So what is the background of His Eyes on the Sparrow? What's, what's the context? Uh, when was it written? Those are all things that are kind of important to me as we, we dive into this series. Uh, written in 1905, and this lady's first name, which I hope I don't butcher, is um, Sevilla D. Martin. Um, and then it was given a melody to it by a composer by the name of Charles H. Gabriel. She, um, Sevilla, she was inspired um, by her, her and her husband's friendship with um, a Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle in Elmira, New York. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle were part of the inspiration behind this song. What was interesting about this couple, the, the Doolittles, um, the husband was crippled. He was wheelchair bound and his wife was bedridden for 20 years. Yet they were upbeat and hopeful. They were an example to Sevilla, the uh, lyricist for this song, and her, uh, and her husband, just kind of being around them and, and seeing them and observing them. And so it got to the point where um, Sevilla's husband just asked, like, how, how can you have this frame of mind, this kind of um, positive attitude of everything towards life when obviously life's not easy, you know, you're you're in a wheelchair and your wife is bedridden and, you know, how do you stay upbeat through all, all that? And, uh, Mrs. Doolittle's reply was, um, the, the offering that really gave us, uh, the, the refrain for this song. She said, his eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches me. And Sevilla Martin, she wrote this song. She sent the lyrics over to Charles Gabriel He's also a person who uh, wrote I Stand Amazed and Will the Circle Be Unbroken, quite a few different hymns in his catalog. And from what I could tell, it looks like these two kind of collaborated on several songs over the years, probably early 1900s. The simple 
theme of the song is supported again by Matthew 6. Um, Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What strikes me about this song is that it, it acknowledges we our hearts can be lonely. It acknowledges our hearts can be lonely, and we can long for heaven and home. And certainly that mood can resonate with a lot of us these days, just in the, the chaos and the turmoil of, of what is going on around us, and we kind of just are ready to, to be in a better place. But the answer to the song doesn't come through as, you know, Jesus, come back for me. I'm, I'm ready to, to go. I want to see heaven. Like, that's that's not what comes through in this song. And that's not what came through for the folks that kind of rendered these these lyrics and these images, the, the doolittles. The answer is, Jesus is my portion, and he is my constant friend. Let Just those words of let not your heart be troubled, his tender words I hear, resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fear. Though by the path he leadeth, still one step I may see. You know, he's leading by the path, leading us along the path. We may not even see quite to what the next step is. It reminds me of of Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it's just this recognition that I need Jesus every, every step of the way, you know, and that, that may look like a crutch to the world. That may look like this thing that we just have to kind of lean on and always rely on. And and we're not really, um, independent and, and, you know, kind of, slaves to a master kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that helplessness in a way there, that, that is real. Like we are helpless. We can't necessarily figure out life on our own. We can't, we need Jesus in every situation and along the path, every step of the way. Reminds me of another hymn, which not going to cover on this this series, but I need the every hour. I need you every step. But that that is not a crutch. That is not this um, thing that that really ties us down. And in fact, it's it's that dependence on on the Lord, which which allows us to truly find life. That we we lose our doubts, we lose our fear. We gain his reassurance. We gain our true 
identity. And I, I'm reminded of that throughout this song. So today, as we close out this first episode and this series, I want you to know that if there's any doubt in your mind, you must know that his eye is indeed on the sparrow. Beyond just putting ourselves in the sparrow's position, we realize his care and his watch is over us is even greater than how he cares for a simple bird. It's much greater. And this song reminds us of two things. One, we are valued by our maker. And two, he is still in control of this world. We may not see heaven for, for many, many more years. But do we have the ability to trust that his will is for our good and our benefit? Do we have the ability to trust that his eye is on us. I hope that you do. And I hope that this song blesses you as you consider the depth of it, the meaning. Again, it always amazes me that a song that a hundred plus years old can still speak right into the circumstances of my life right now. And this song in particular has done that time and time again for me, uh, for my family, And I hope it will as well for you. Just want you guys to know that I love you. And I can't wait to share another hymn next time. Um, If you haven't already, I invite you to go check out this song and this album, which if you're listening on a a streaming platform, uh, having spoken about those quite a bit here, it might just be a couple of clicks away for you to find this song and be Derek Charles Johnson his eyes on the sparrow. Um, try to put out some links for that as well. Closing with our theme verse, Ephesians five fifteen through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. God bless you guys. I say- because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Hey guys, this is Derek Charles Johnson. You have been listening to the As Bold As Lions podcast. I am a blogger, a songwriter, an artist. And if you've been encouraged by this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and share. And head over to DerekCharlesJohnson.com for more encouraging content. God bless.